Hello and welcome to a very special episode of the Monthly Tea with Jordan C. It's the first birthday, baby! In case any of you are unfamiliar with this podcast and you're just stumbling upon it for the first time, this is the Monthly Tea with Jordan C, a monthly podcast where myself, Jordan C, and normally a guest will discuss, review and recap the most scintillating, interesting or juicy pop culture moments of that month. I am your host, Jordan C. It's crazy to think that this podcast has been going for a year. It's crazy to think I've committed to a podcast for a year so go me but to celebrate this momentous occasion i planned quite a special episode today over the year i've had many amazing guests join me so rather than just bring one of those guests back i thought why not hear from all of them so throughout the episode you'll be hearing from me jordan c and you'll also be hearing from josiah kalisha Taylor, Becky, Sean, Shazza, Shao, Sharon, I should call her, and Ben. So, hope you all enjoy. Now, at the beginning of this month, we had the Grammys. Now, even though I'm a big lover of music, I've never really been the biggest Grammy person. I've never, like, watched the actual ceremony. I'll just, like, watch the exciting clips online but i found i guess the buzz around this ceremony quite interesting let's start with what i enjoyed firstly i quite enjoyed how jay-z won an award for global impact and spent a lot of that award calling out the grammys for the lack of album of the years for beyonce i quite liked it because it kind of gave off he's gone off script vibes because then they'll do like a clip to Beyonce in the audience and she didn't look like shots but she you can just see like this blank face that was like okay and you know what he's right how can she be the most decorated Grammy singer awarder whatever in history and she's not got album of the year make that make sense and yes if you have been listening from this podcast from the start you should be able to remember that I was very salty that she lost to Harry Styles last year. And you know what? I haven't forgotten it. So go on, Jay-Z. I was really happy for Victoria Monet. I really like her album. I really like her song on my mama. I've been listening to that a lot recently. So I was happy for her to get her Grammys. Also, her family, her so cute. Her, her boyfriend and her baby or toddler are so cute on the red carpet all the like the pictures they took oh my goodness it was just too it was too sweet now another person who i think almost took over the red carpet with their sensational fashion was miley cyrus i adored the outfit i adored the hair i don't know why i keep wanting to describe it as a buffant because it's not but it was amazing it was wonderful it felt like a beautiful like homage to like tina turner in a way i loved it and you know what? I was happy for Miley to win record of the year. I um did enjoy the song Flowers. I would have also loved Scissor to one to have won, but I'm also happy for Miley and I really liked her speech. I loved how she basically just fangirls about Mariah Carey because who wouldn't? And I also loved her performance of Flowers where she just does a lot of ad libs and it was very sweet and cute. Song of the year, what was I made for? Now, I have such mixed feelings of this song. 
I actually do enjoy the song. I think it's a really great song from Billie Eilish, but I also am worried it's going to win the Oscar. And the reason why I don't want it to win the Oscar is that I obviously want I'm Just Ken to win because that's the fun song. I also just... I'm just kind of fed up with the Oscars doing this thing now where it's like the slow songs keep winning. I want something with a bit more like pep in its step. So I was a bit like, when I saw this win, I was like, has the Oscar been cemented? But we shall see. I also think I've just kind of gone off the song because if any of you are on TikTok, you'll just see how like people post the song for the most dull, dullest of things. Like, when Barbie came out, people were using it for like quite like, I guess, self-reflective moments, thinking about like girlhood, womanhood, yada, 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 things that made them happy. And it was really sweet to see it was really lovely. But now people use it to like romanticize really boring things. And I just, I think maybe I'm just being a bit of a hater, but I don't think you need to post what was I made for, for your recipe of chili con carne. But that's just me. But let's get to the actual juicy point of the Grammys. And that was, I guess, the controversy around album of the year. So Taylor Swift won yet another album of the year for Midnight. And there have been a lot of mixed feelings about this. Obviously, the Swifties love it. Obviously, Taylor loved it. She looked ecstatic up there. So excited that she didn't even look in Celine Dion's direction. But uh, also there's a lot of people, there were a lot of people who were just kind of like, she won over quite a mid album. Now, I haven't listened to Midnight's in its entirety, so I can't really say what I truly think. I, I, however, uh, I have a slight issue with Taylor Swift. I think she's someone that's labeled as an underdog when she really isn't. So I guess whenever she wins all these things, I just, I feel a bit resentful but like why why you also what i found really weird was um taylor swift dragging lana del rey up with her now lana del rey did feature on midnight however she had also been up for album of the year and she has just lost album of the year so maybe it was in like taylor swift's head i don't know just something sweet to be like oh you know i'll come up like you're a part of it but after lana del rey visibly looked like she didn't want to go up maybe she should have just left her there i personally think scissor should have won album of the year or even olivia rodrigo because i did really enjoy guts but let's hear what our previous guests thought about who should have won album of the year cue the tapes personally i am going to say boy genius or Blah or Olivia Rodriguez. Those would be my top three. Also, I'm just gonna do a shout out. This is a 2024 album, but Declan McKenna's um, What's Happened to the Beach came out just like a week, two weeks ago, and it has blown me away so far. I would probably go for John Batiste or uh, Boy Genius because I like both of their stuff. Um, but my personal albums of the year, I really liked Cousin by Wilco, uh, Holly Humberstone, Paint My Bedroom Black, and I also really enjoyed The Nationals' first two pages of Frankenstein. Well, I looked at the nominations, um, 
And to be honest, the only one I've listened to is Midnight's by Taylor Swift. Um, I remember when that album came out, it came out on the same day as uh, The Loneliest Time by Carly Rae Jepsen and The Car by Arctic Monkeys, which was a fantastic day for me. So I enjoy all three of those artists. Um, And on that day, Midnight's was my third favorite of those three albums. So either of the other two probably deserve to win. But if we're going just based off of the actual nominations of the Grammys, then probably Midnight's because it's the only one I've listened to. Out of the people that were nominated, I definitely feel like um, Scissor should have won. Hands down, Scissor should have won. Like, SOS changed lives, it changed everything. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, because the fact that I don't even know who won, I don't care, but I know that she didn't win, and that's mad to me because everybody was singing Kill Bill. Kill Bill was the song of the century, first of all, and then everybody was singing um, Snooze, and then Nobody Gets Me Special. Like, bruv, she was in her emo element, yeah. I feel like she won. And, like, the tour was mad. Like, everybody was talking about Scissor, so, yeah, I feel like she should have won. But it is what it is, bruv. The Grammys. I don't know any albums of the year 2023. However, I did do a little Google search and I recognised Paramore had an album out, Olivia's Rodrigo's had an album out, Paramore had an album out. However, in terms of who I think deserved album of the year, I think it was released in 2011, but I think Cannibal by Kesha still is number one. I'm not very up to date with what's going on there, but I think, and you probably guess what I'm going to say, seeing as it's the 40th anniversary of Purple Rain, I think they should have given it to Prince, even though obviously he's not there to collect it. I know they've done a little tribute to him uh, last year, but yes, that's my opinion. That's who should have got album of the year. You know what? I'm still a bit torn because I also absolutely agree with Kalisha. Kill Bill, such a banger, such a great song. I feel like everyone who's listened to it loves it. And it's just so catchy, but in a good way, not in those like annoying ways. Actually, I think Scissor's really good at that anyway, having a catchy song that isn't annoyingly catchy, but like a fun, enjoyable catchy. So, yeah. But also, like Becky mentioned in Olivia Rodrigo, I really like Olivia Rodrigo. So I would have been happy if either of those people win. Win? I'm saying it as if that's going to, as if it's future tense. If any of those ladies would have won. But I'm also going to circle back to my mum, Shazza, mentioning Prince winning posthumously. Posthumously. That's a tricky word to say. Winning after his death. I also like that she's mentioned that he obviously won't be around to collect it because he's dead. Um, at first I was like, what? What is this answer? But then I was also more, the more I deep it, the more I think about it. A trait that I really admire in my mum that I think I've inherited to a degree is she has an undying loyalty to Prince. And I think that's reflected in my own loyalty to Beyonce. Though I think I can be a bit more critical of Beyonce than she can be of Prince. Don't hate me. But 
I could also see myself like one day saying if Beyonce releases like the 40th anniversary of Dangerously in Love or B-Day, I'd be like, where is that album of the year nomination? So you know what? I actually get it. I back it. Should have got a nomination, Prince. Next topic. Obviously earlier this year, there was a shocking breakup of Joe Alwyn and Taylor Swift. I don't know why I said shocking so sake when I actually, if you listen to the episode where I mention it, I was actually quite shocked. But since their breakup, it feels like Taylor Swift's been everywhere. It feels kind of like that time in the like early to mid 2010s where like Taylor Swift was doing all her pap walks. She had a girl squad. She was in the tabloids. I mean, I love a pap walk. I love a pat walk as much as the next person. And I do quite enjoy seeing like the gossip when it's like Taylor Swift in the pop culture, tabloids, media, reddits or whatever. But I do wonder if she's going to become overexposed in the similar way she was in the mid 2000s, mid 2010s, where it got to the point like around reputation when people were quite fed up with her. And she just dialed it down a bit after that. You know, she wasn't in newspapers all the time. She released some really lovely albums. Seemed to have matured a bit. And I felt like it helped rehabilitate that image a little bit from the overexposure times. I don't know, but is she back to being overexposed? Do people care if she's even back to being overexposed? Let's hear what our previous guests had to say about Taylor Swift. What are my thoughts on Taylor Swift? I don't like her. <laughs> I don't like her. I don't like her since she tried to like use like weaponize her whiteness, her white womanness against Kanye West. Um, trying to say that oh, I didn't know he was gonna say that in Famous, and then Kim Kar- Kim Kardashian like had to release the footage. Like actually, you did know it, and she's like, oh, I didn't know he was gonna say like bruv go away i don't like that she would agree to it like her playing the victim and making the white the black man the like villain um she's a fake feminist and she's weird and she's ruining the planet um is she overexposed i don't think so like she's a superstar isn't it? so we're gonna see her everywhere like she's, she's doing her job um but i did see a tweet where somebody was like oh mariah carey is the songwriter that you guys think taylor swift is and i was like for sure for sure like for sure because as deep or whatever that people think that Taylor Swift's lyrics are yeah she hasn't made baggage like Mariah Carey so yeah yeah I think the media do overexpose her and, and it's not her fault they won't leave her alone just because she's gone to a football match because her boyfriend's playing so what leave her alone she's not causing anyone harm I don't mind Taylor Swift I don't have an opinion either way I don't mind her music I quite liked um Midnight's uh, when it came out um yeah i guess she is overexposed but who cares really isn't that the point of celebrity let her be overexposed for a bit it'll move on to someone else eventually it always does i like red that's my favorite driving like the maserati down a dead end street because nothing you is red you belong to me so my thoughts are good good i have good thoughts and is she overexposed 
it, it depends. I have lots of thoughts on Taylor Swift. Um, so first of all, I'm kind of terrified of Swifties. I think they are a whole breed. It's a completely fascinating fandom and it would be amazing to do like a study on them or something. I don't know. It's, it's very, 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 very interesting. I like Taylor Swift. She's good fun. She's good music. I've been to Swift again. I love it. I get it. I don't get the godlike status that she has. But what I'm really enjoying at the moment about her overexposure, which is a bit, I mean, it is kind of pandering to her, her narcissism. But what I am enjoying about it is it is really ruffling some feathers in like the right wing communities. Because for the first time, right wing Americans in, in particular have a problem with a heterosexual uh, white couple. He plays football, she's a country singer, and they have a problem with that because she is a powerful woman. And that's an issue in their minds. So I find that very, very, very interesting. I think she gets too much publicity, but I'm also very interested about like the political side. So yeah, it's all very interesting and I will stay tuned for more on that. I think it's quite interesting that Kalisha brought up the Kanye West debacle. Because in some ways I forgot about it. I don't know why, but um, I did. <laughs> but that was such a time, that was like 2016 when Kim Kardashian released that tape of the recording of Taylor Swift showing the knowledge of the lyric. And I know Taylor Swift has after after the fact has said that you know she didn't consent to it um, being I don't know. I was not in the recording booth that day. But I do think it's very interesting, like Kalisha says, like how race does play into it. And I don't know, some of the critiques in that time, even prior to the famous being released as a song even like the aftermath of Kanye interrupting Taylor when she won an award some of the critiques just of him were starting to like go into the whole not starting a lot of people were just using it as an excuse to be racist and kind of push forward that idea of this scary black man has done this to this innocent white woman and I do think like Becky said the Swifties are scary so I'm quite scared to fully explain this in case I get attacked but I do think that whole oh I'm just this innocent girl and Taylor Swift's image as a blonde white woman has played a role in I guess her success which I get maybe that's why I get a bit fed up with her overexposure but also Kalisha's completely right Mariah Carey is the songwriter that people think Taylor Swift is. Mariah Carey's pen, unmatched. Unmatched. And she is not given her due. She should be the one that's overexposed, if you ask me. Now, something that shocked me was realising that my mother might be an undercover Swifty. And you know what? I'm a bit scared for the next time I see her. What if she attacks me? But um, actually, going back to Becky, I do completely agree that... Um, Swifties if there was a fan study on the Swifties I would read that just like fan, a fan study in general of those intense fan bases like the Swifties like the Barbs and like the mindset they have because it's like Becky said they have this like godlike worship of 
their chosen performer and it's like nothing they can do can be wrong it's interesting but also quite petrifying to see people put someone like taylor swift on such a pedestal when they have not met her they do not know her as a person and i do also wonder as the celebrity getting all that praise from a fan base it must feed into your like own ego like after a while if you have a bunch of people millions of people even putting you on this pedestal treating you like you're this like deity it would go to your head to an extent i know if i was in that position it would go to mine so it's fascinating someone needs to write the fan study not me though i also really appreciated sean singing red and you belong with me which gives me such year nine vibes you you belong with me shout out to my year nine crush because i probably listened to this song and thought of you Again, I am quite fearful of the Swifty, so I will keep the rest of my critique short. I do think she's in danger of becoming overexposed. I don't think she's overexposed yet, but I do think there's a danger. And it sounds silly to say, like, the danger of being overexposed in the media when there's actual dangers in the world. But I reckon soon she'll become overexposed. It'll be interesting to see what happens next with Taylor Swift now that the US football season is over. What will happen with her and Travis? We'll just have to see and see if it's mentioned on the next episode of The Monthly Tea with Jordan C. Also, Taylor Swift, not my sister, great music and all. Your private jet usage needs to be cut down. It's actually ridiculous now, and you can't send a season desist to that person who's been tracking it. It's public information, but come on, that's ridiculous. The amount of time she uses a private jet is actually insane. Actually, anyone that has a private jet, you don't actually need it as much as you think you need it. I feel like so far this has been quite a US-centric um, episode of the Monthly Deal with Jordan C. I promise I do talk about British people later. But a big event for the Americans in February. And I guess a somewhat big event for other people is the Super Bowl. Now, I don't really care for the Super Bowl itself, but I do find the halftime performances quite interesting. And I do wish the halftime performances was something we took on a bit more in the UK. Like, can you imagine just watching, like, the Euros and just seeing, like, this massive halftime show with, like, full production value? It would be amazing. But anyway, Usha Baby was announced as headliner and the world's almost stopped and i felt a lot of people were excited um because obviously usher is a f- amazing performer he's charismatic he's handsome he can sing he can dance he has a great stage presence like everyone's excited and i did really enjoy the performance i did enjoy listening to all like his catalog i do wish it was a bit longer but I guess that's the issue with the halftime performance. The artists have to squeeze in so much in such a small bit of time that it's like certain songs will be missed or certain songs that just feel so much shorter than th- that you want them to be. But I do really appreciate that he sung and danced every part of it, which I guess sounds like I'm like praising for the bare minimum, but I'm not because that's really hard to do he sung and danced that whole entire time not just like using all backing tracks he was singing he was singing on those roller skates he was singing dancing he was singing when luda came up i really appreciate that appreciate that it made me want to go to 
his residency even more, even though it's very expensive. But yeah, I think my biggest critique was it, if there was more time, there would have been more time for more songs that were missed. Now that Usher's performance has come and gone, people are starting to predict who will be next year's headliner. Now, I have been thinking about it and my pick would be Miley Cyrus, which to some might be a controversial choice, but I do not think so because she has been in the industry for, what, about 20 years now, if you count Hannah Montana. And I also think she has a lot of hits that would carry a halftime show really well. And she is a really great performer, so I think it would be a really good halftime show. And then... I think it was Kalani that posted this video or like it was like on TikTok or something and she was talking about if like Miley Cyrus was a headliner and using like a Hannah Montana song and she was like um the lights go down everything's dark and you just hear you get the limo out front then lights flash holler styles every shoe every color and ever since that was put forward to me. I've been obsessed with it ever since. But let's hear what everyone else had to say about who their ideal Super Bowl headliner would be. I do genuinely think a bad like Arctic Monkeys would be really cool because they have got that popularity. I don't know if it's ever going to happen, but it would be back. Lovely Zoe, but I don't think that will happen. Just for Kate Bush to headline next year if they do let British people obviously partake. You know, they did the best of West Coast rap, something like that, but with like pop punk. So, Fallout Boy, My Chemical Romance, Blink. It needs to be someone who's got enough of like a back catalogue, like Mariah Carey or Celine Dion or Cher. And then this is very like UK centric, but wouldn't it be fun to have like the Sugar Babes do a halftime show? If it was anyone living or dead, it would be the return of the king of pop Michael Jackson always. He killed it the first time. And for him to return after years and everything I think that's been going on with him lately, that would be a big news story. So I'd say Michael Jackson. But if it's just living, I would say Diana Vickers or Fabian Morven who is, of course, one half of Millie Vanilli. Um, I don't really care, um, for real. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> like, the Usher one was low-key disappointed. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it, because, like, I was so ready. He'd even do Hey Daddy, and I'm like, wow. He would be my adult, um, Oh So No Shake, with the new album, boom. Something I really enjoyed about this selection of answers is that there's a lot of variation and it's nice to see like everyone's own taste come in. Um, I agree with Sean. I think a Diana Vickers halftime show would be amazing with all of her like free songs, but I would, I would tune in and actually he's right. If there was a return of Michael Jackson, like a surprise headliner and all of a sudden the lights go down there's a flash and if Michael Jackson was stood there, it would stop the world. It would be quite iconic. I also get why Kalisha was quite a bit disappointed. I think it's similar to my own like critique where it just felt like there was a lot thrown in a small amount of time. But I also think 
with the Super Bowl, there is a um, headline. It is a short amount of time to get all your hits out, so it's a bit tricky. I guess you have to be quite choosy. And I do agree with her. Hey Daddy is a banger. But I guess maybe they wanted to make it, I don't know, a bit more PG. But then again, they'd love in this club. Yeah, I don't know why Asher didn't pick it. Maybe it's at the residency. I think Ben's idea for like a pop punk Super Bowl performance would actually be epic. And I haven't used the word epic, you know, for like 15 years. But pop punk brings me back to that time of 15 years ago. I think Fall Out Boy, Blink-182, Paramore, that would be such a good combination. I also think if Blink-182 were like even a partial headliner, I'd love to watch the episode of like Keeping Up to Kardashians because I know Kim would be livid that it wasn't her husband that was a Super Bowl headliner and that Courtney beat her to it. And to be fair, I'd get it. If I was Kim, I'd be annoyed too. And finally, I'd love for the Sugar Babes to not just headline the Super Bowl, but to headline Glastonbury. And that is what I'll say on that. Now, it wouldn't be right to talk about pop culture moments of February 2024 and not talk about the lovely surprise of Beyonce releasing new music. So earlier this month, Beyonce dropped two singles, 16 Carriages and Texas Hold'em. And they are the start of Act Two, which is looking to be like a country album to me. And I, for one, am very excited. Daddy Lessons from Lemonade is an outstanding song, but it's an outstanding country music song. So I just know that this album's going to be great. And I think it's interesting the direction she seems to be taking with these acts. So act one, Renaissance, using house music. Act two, country it seems to be that Beyonce is using genres that were originated in black spaces by black people and reclaiming them after they've been, I guess the origins have been forgotten. So I find that really amazing and interesting and I'm really excited to see what she does with this album. I'm very excited. I love both songs so far. I love Texas Hold'em, doing a little line dance to it. Uh, I think I prefer 16 Carriages, there's something about it that feels quite like big and theatrical, but also quite intimate, which I really enjoy. And I think it's a really good showcase for her voice. But thinking about the genre she's now taken on, what genre do you think, or would you want Beyonce to take on next? What genre do you want Beyonce to take on next? Which genre do you want? Which genre do you want? What, what genre do you want Beyonce to take on next? Okay, what do I want? Well, her next genre that she wants to like get involved in should be rock. Like she should do a rock album next, 100%. Don't hurt yourself, should everyone, she can do a rock team. That was pure rock, like that was amazing. I would love to see Beyonce do rock or blues. Screamo. Country, eh? Interesting, good for her. Beyonce doing a country album. I would leave that to Dolly if I was her. 
I think her next uh, genre of music she should try was, would maybe be a bit of ska, a bit of two-tone music. What genre do I want? Beyonce's got such an amazing voice. I'd love to see a really orchestral, sort of filmic, beautiful scoring um, with just her wonderful voice over the top. She's done pop. She's done R&B, right? I think so. It'd be funny for her to try and bring back something like doo-wop or something like that. Oh, actually, what would be good for Beyonce to do like a covers album of just songs that she likes and her interpretations of them? I think that'd be really fun. I don't know, she'd probably sing most of them better than the originals. If it's what I want, I think this counts as a genre. I would want her to do Elvis impersonations, because that's a job that people have. I would like her to take on Elvis impersonator like Tim Vine did on his last tour. There we go. I do think the Act 3 will be a rock album. It would be really exciting to see Beyonce do a Screamo album too. I think if she would do, it would be really fun. And I just feel like that concert environment would be outstanding. Um, also... Can we talk about Sharon's little bit of shade saying leave it to Dolly? How about you mind your business? Okay. You never know. Dolly might be on the album. She hasn't released it yet. And Dolly loves her some Beyonce. And Beyonce loves her some Dolly. We all love some Dolly Parton. I'd really want a cover album. I hope that's something. Maybe um, not next, but maybe in the future. But something I was thinking about that would be really another interesting genre for Beyonce to take on would be like, a musical theatre album. Again, maybe not for Act 3, but something in the future because Beyonce has done musicals in the past. She was in Dreamgirls and she also did this like musical medley at the Oscars with Hugh Jackman one time and it was amazing. It's really hard to find videos for it online, which is a shame because it was such a good performance. But it'd be really interesting to see her take on different musical theatre rolls through her voice and see what like songs she would pick it'd be similar to like um barbara streisand back in the day barbara streisand has a cover of being alive from oh my god it's a steven sondheim show and it's escaping me what the show is at the moment i'm gonna kick myself but it's such a it's one of my favorite songs to listen to it's such a good like rendition and i think beyonce taking on some musical theater songs can you imagine beyonce doing defying gravity imagine that so that's the that's what i want for her next album you heard it here i did say i was going to talk about some british people soon enough and what better way to talk about the british than with the baftas now admittedly the BAFTAs didn't happen when I sent out my questions to the guests. So you just have little old me and my opinions on the BAFTAs for now. So I'm always like, I enjoy watching the BAFTAs, but I also have like a little bit of a beef with the BAFTAs. I always feel like I really enjoy how they sometimes will pick one category that, will normally have like a lock like it'll be like this one actor you're sure is going to win and then they'll get to the BAFTAs and they're like no no we're going to put a British person there instead I quite enjoy that I can also 
be an- get annoyed with it as well, especially when there's an actor I think should win and they lose because the BAFTA are like, oh no, 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 we need to add a British person. But like, I mean, the BAFTAs weren't really shocking this year. Like, I feel like they just carried on that the war season motion that's been going around. I feel like at this point, most of like the Oscar wins are like all but confirmed. Like it's looking incredibly likely that Emma Stone's going to win the by Joy Randolph, which I I will love. Robert Downey Jr. will probably win the Oscar, which I really don't want to happen. Not no shade, no team. Because he was actually really good in Oppenheimer. He was actually great in Oppenheimer. I'll be nice and actually admit that. But I just really wanted it to be my Ryan Gosling. And for a moment, I almost forgot who was in the running for leading actor. Which is so silly because it's the most, like, deadest of certs. Like, it's so obviously going to be Killian Murphy who wins the Oscar. So... I feel like the BAFTAs didn't really shock me this year. Normally there's one part of the BAFTAs where I'm like, oh, I wasn't expecting that. Like last year, I really wanted Austin Butler to win. But I didn't think he was going to win. So when he did win, I got like a little, ooh, I didn't really have that this year. Um, Oh, I guess I did to an extent. I really thought um, Io um, was going to win the Rising Star Award. And I mean, I'm not angry that... um, me and McKenna won. I was just a bit shocked. I really thought Io had it in the bag. But I guess I has won so many awards this season. I guess it evens out. I wouldn't miss a BAFTA. I really enjoyed David Tennant as a host. I enjoyed David Tennant as an actor, but I enjoyed him as a host. I think he um, seemed to have a lot of fun. Um, I enjoyed the fashion choices. I enjoyed the kilt. And... Someone also pointed out it was quite um, funny that him, a time traveller, introduced Michael J. Fox, another time traveller, onto the stage, which was fun. Um, I really loved the moment of Michael J. Fox coming on stage to present Best Film. It was just a wonderful moment. And I didn't realise how much money he had raised as for his charity. I didn't realise it was in the billions. And that's amazing. Something I did find to be a little bit of a letdown. But is more on me. Is that. Obviously I went into it thinking. You know what the BAFTAs. They always pick a British film they really like. And they're going to stick to it. And in my head it was going to be all of us strangers. I thought that would win more. So I was quite disappointed. And who would I be if I didn't mention. Sophie Ellis-Bexter. Performing. Murder on the dance floor. I also love that she's obviously has been performing Murder on the Dance Floor a lot more um due to recent events such as Saltburn. And I love that she still wears the she wears the makeup and like outfit, the colour scheme from the video. So the blue black dress with the blue eyeshadow, because it looks stunning and it is timeless. But yeah, let's hope. I hope Sophie releases an album. I hope she uses this momentum as she releases an album because she's a great artist. And yes, if I'm completely honest, if you put a gun to my head and told me to name songs other than Murder on the Dance Floor, I might struggle. But that's fine because Murder on the Dance Floor, timeless pop. So that was um that was a fun performance to have at the BAFTAs because normally the BAFTAs can be a bit more like with a with a British stiff upper lip. We can't enjoy Ariana the most. Telling people that 
that Angela Bassett did the thing. So I felt like that added a nice bit of bubbliness to the BAFTAs. So that was the first birthday edition of the Monthly Tea with Jordan C. What an episode it's been. I want to thank all the guests who sent in their voice notes, given their really great and honest views and opinions that really added to the episode. So thank you. It's been one whole year of the Monthly Tea with Jordan C. I'm excited to see what happens in the next year. What will happen with the podcast? What will happen in the pop culture world? What will happen on the monthly tea with Jordan C Instagram? There's so many questions, so many things to look forward to. So thank you to everyone who has listened for this past year. It has really meant a lot. That sounded robotic. It has really meant a lot. And shout out to those of you in Suriname. Love ya. So join me in March 2024 for Beyonce releasing a grime album, Florence Pugh and Paul Mescal dating.